You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a wealth cap holdings podcast about long-term wealth building and financial independence. Here are your hosts, Chris Evans and Taylor Welch. What's up, everybody? Taylor Welch here, Team Money. Welcome to a uh, brand new episode of Portfolio Builders. I want to talk to you about something that we actually included in our intelligence letter this month, which, uh, shameless plug, if you're not subscribed to the intelligence letter, it is free. Uh, you can go to wealthcapholdings.com slash intelligence. Basically, what we do is we just publish a report every month on how our holdings are doing, how we are faring in our different markets, what we're noticing in terms of trends and uh, cadence. It's just kind of like our view and take on economics from a real estate point of view. It's actually a really good material. We don't charge for it because we don't need to. And uh, it's just a value add to you and your education. Anyways, check that out. But February was an intense month for us because a couple of things happened. Number one, uh, there was a tornado that swept through Birmingham, and I'm not sure if you knew that, but uh, a couple of our houses were actually just completely destroyed by a tornado in in the Birmingham area. And uh, thank God everyone was safe, and uh, the houses that were hit were finishing up rehab, so they were not occupied. That would have been just unbelievably horrible. Uh, so everyone was fine. And then Two weeks after that, we had this winter wonderland that swept through Kansas City. It was the worst winter. I think they said it was the it's the worst winter in 50 years for the Kansas City market. Our markets are Kansas City, Missouri, Branson, Missouri, Birmingham, Alabama, and Charlotte, North Carolina. We've got uh, we're rebalancing some things right now because um, I'll talk about that on the show. Just the benefits and the value of diversity and. You know, when you go into business investment, we have me and Chris, my business partner, we have equity holdings of several different companies. And, you know, when you when you invest into a business, it is not necessarily wisdom to just diversify for the sake of diversification, because I would rather have 100 percent of my capital in a good business model than 25 percent in a good business model, 25 percent in a bad business model, 25 percent in an average business. You see what I'm saying? Like why really when people talk about diversification, in a business or a holdings or a stock portfolio, I think sometimes they're using diversification as a hedge for ignorance or a lack of intelligence. Now, that's fine. If you are unintelligent in a certain arena, then yeah, hedge away, diversify as much as you can. But when you have the requisite intelligence and the optics and the reconnaissance to be able to say, this is a great business, you should go all in. And that's what we've done in the, on the business sector of, of our portfolio. We will go all in on something that works. We don't really care about uh, diversifying. We have hedges in different areas. But with real estate, with real estate, the the value of a real estate portfolio is uh, you are able to diversify based on zip codes, based on the school systems that you're in, based on hospitals. And people want to live close to great schools and they want to live somewhat close to hospitals. You also get residencies and things like that when you're close to hospitals. Um, and you want to diversify in a way that it locks up the uh, upside for you, but it protects you against the downside. Let me give you an example of this from real life. This is from our portfolio in the month of February. Now, Kansas City on it from a cash on cash basis will produce like maybe a 4% return in February. Awful. Why is that? Well, because freaking everything froze and you got trees falling down the middle of the street and it's, you know, 
horrible, horrible weather. And so we've got maintenance costs. We've got things that are messing up the return structure of the Kansas City market. Uh, but North Carolina, wonderful returns. Birmingham, probably cut down to 10% or 8% because we had a few houses that have to be rebuilt. But you know, when you have multiple markets, one market does poorly with the other markets, the idea is that they're going to perform properly the way that you intended them to perform. And so you want to make sure that you're not investing into a singular market. Every t- every day, somebody is like, hey, I heard you're in real estate. Uh, I'm in real estate. And, and they're only invested into Nashville. And it's like, you know what? Nashville is a great city. But if I were you, what I would do right now, like literally right now, is find someone who can find you some income properties in other cities because you never know. Like there's there's no bulletproof system that we can use to predict, oh yeah, this city is 100% going to always grow. Nothing's going to happen to it. You want to make sure that you have layered in multiple markets that have different types of returns and you've got different buckets of returns. You've got your cash on cash, which is typically a rent rate uh, to the value of, of the home. And when a, when a city grows, just to give you a, a backstory, when a city grows really, really fast, oftentimes what you'll notice is the cash on cash decreases because the rent rate cannot keep up with the demand for new houses. Now, everything we know about pricing, this is macro and microeconomics, pricing comes from the demands and the supply. If the demand outpaces the supply, then the price of that particular good or that asset will increase. You look at how uh, people people's demand for gold goes up, or people's demand for you know this is not necessarily in stocks. Stocks is different. the The price of stocks is core. It pegs differently than supply and demand does. But when you look at an asset, a tangible asset, the price of that asset is going to go up when the demand outpaces the supply, and then the price typically comes back down and neutralizes when there's enough supply to meet the demand. And so when you look at Nashville or Austin or some of these really, really quickly, fast-growing cities. The demand for the houses goes up so much, and it takes several years for the rent rates to catch up to the demand. This is where your cash-on-cash comes from. So like, I can invest half a million dollars into Nashville real estate, and uh, when I look at my return structure on those, unless I'm looking at nightly rental, short-term rental, things like that, when I look at my return structure, it's like, you know, Eight to ten percent cash on cash is really good, but I could invest half a million dollars into Birmingham, and I'm going to produce, you know, probably a fourteen to fifteen percent cash on cash because that city has had more stabilization time, and therefore the rent rates are a little bit closer. And so, anyways, you got cash on cash, you've got appreciation. Appreciation is how the value. Now, if you invest in Nashville, your appreciation is likely going to be pretty good. Charlotte, the appreciation of Charlotte's really good. In fact. Um, one of my acquisition guys told me yesterday we we purchased a property up in Concord, which is in the Charlotte market. This was in November, I believe, November 2020. And we purchased it all in. I think it was 180K. We, we thought that the ARV was going to be like 200K by the time we closed on it. It just appraised the house, 240K. $240,000 ARV. We bought it for 180 in November. So that's December, January, February, March. That's four months. Charlotte is insane. It's insanity, but it's a little bit more manageable than Nashville. You got Nashville. Nashville is just like jumping up into new tiers, and it's like it's it's actually appreciating a little bit too fast. But Charlotte is like, I think Charlotte is going to be like 
uh, Atlanta 2.0 of the East Coast. Like it's going to become a, it's already a hub. It's, I think, the second largest financial uh, district in the United States. But I think it's going to keep growing. I think it's going to be pretty bulletproof. Anyways, you've got the appreciation, the cash on cash. You've got depreciation. You can use depreciation to uh, save you tax money. And you've got, if you're using leverage, you've got a fourth return bucket and it's the debt pay down. Someone else is paying down your debt. This is the beauty of actually the beauty of inflation. It's uh, Most people think of inflation as something nasty you don't want, but when you're invested into real estate, inflation is a great thing because it allows you to get your assets for free. Somebody else is paying it. The house is increasing with inflation. You're not, you don't end up paying the debt. The debt's lo- debt is locked in. You know, freaking thankful that inflation does not change your debt structure because if you buy a house for 100K and you have $80,000 on debt and then in five years that house is worth 200K, you still only owe the 80K in debt. It's not gonna increase the debt's locked in. Anyways, I'm going on a wild tangent here because I wanna talk to you about uh, one of the flaws I see in most investment thinking today and you got a lot of people talking about this and I'm just going to come in and bust it up because I think it's, it's, it's silly. Um, which is the 1% rule and everybody wants these super, super, super high cash on cash returns. And I've had several investors, uh, who've reached out to our team and they're like, you know, I want to invest in Charlotte, but I can't get 1%. And the 1% rule is the one it's 1% monthly rent to portfolio value. So you want $200,000 home. Uh, the 1% rule would say don't invest in that $200,000 home unless you can get $2,000 per month in rent, which is going to be like, you know, 18 or 20% in cash on cash when you use leverage. But here's the problem with that ethos. We don't use cap rates in single family, but you use cap rates in multifamily. And typically the higher the cap rate, the higher the cash flow, but the more risky the neighborhood is, the, ris- the more risky the area is. Here's the problem with the 1% rule is it incentivizes investors to really pursue lower quality deals. So you're, in, you're getting higher cash returns at the expense of longevity in your properties. Uh, this is like, I want to back my way into this because I'm, if you can catch this, you're gonna have so you're gonna have a leg up on every other investor that you're competing with to build your portfolio. I don't know about you, but I want to have my portfolio 40 years from now. I want it to be productive, cash flowing. I want it to be profitable. I want to give it to my kids when I pass away. I'm not necessarily just interested in buying a bunch of tents on the side of the road underneath a bridge that can cash flow for three years, but then it falls apart. And here's the problem with the one percent rule: is it over indexes on your cash on cash? at the expense of the quality and longevity of the deal. Hey, hey, if you are looking to transition from business owner or employee or salesperson or producer, et cetera, to investor, someone who can build long-term wealth without the hassle or the headaches of dealing with all of the downsides that come with real estate, then you should chat with somebody on our team. You can go to wealthcapholdings.com slash book, B-O-O-K dash now in OW, we have a team of licensed advisors who can help put together your game plan with your goals. Where do you want to be? How much passive cash flow do you want per year? And what markets should you be in to maximize your profitability, but at the same time, minimize and mitigate the downside? There's a lot of investment opportunities in the United States right now, but I got to be honest with you that what I've seen a lot of times, people are putting together deals for maximal profitability, but they're not respecting the risk involved in the game. Our team can help formulate a game plan for you, tell you which markets to be in, which ones to hit first, and then potentially, if we have a team in that market, even source the deals for you. There's nothing like what we're doing right now. It is top of class in every category. Wealthcapholdings.com slash book dash now. 
The call is free and the plans will be very, very, very valuable for you. Hope to talk soon. Now back to the show. Let me give you an example. You go out into the backwoods of, you know, there are several, uh, um, there are several suburbs in Kansas City where we can go out, we can freaking get 1.2% of uh, ARV to rent. It's like a 25, 30, 30% cash flow. Now, you can go into Charlotte and you can buy a proper house in a decent neighborhood and you can get a 0.7%. And it, based on the 1% rule, we would ignore everything in Charlotte and we would buy everything in a, in a suburb of Kansas City where we can get a higher cash flow. But here's the problem. And I've had great houses, I've had bad houses, I've had houses that are productive, I've had houses that fall apart, I've had great tenants and bad tenants, I've had everything in between. Got to keep in mind that uh, our team, you know, just me alone, was I was involved in 4,000 leases, signed leases to manage them. And then our team, we've got, you know, 100 years of experience behind us. And so here's the thing, what's going what's gonna to happen if your entire portfolio is built exclusively for cash flow and you ignore the other three buckets? Well, here's what's going to happen. The value of your house is going to be around about the same in five years that it is right now. Uh, the tenants that you're going to attract for that property are going to be lower quality tenants. You're going to have more turnover. It's going to be less secure, less consistent, less predictable, right? If you have tenant turnover all the time, then who's going to pay the debt? You're going to be stuck paying the debt, Right? It's not always a good trade to just prioritize only cash flow. And I understand the guys who are like cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. It's all they care about. But if you look at their portfolios, their portfolios, here's the problem with teaching. And we have one of the biggest uh, portfolio of education services businesses in the world on the other side of our businesses, like hundreds of thousands of clients per year. I know the education space. I know how people train and I can typically pick apart like how people are building their training uh, businesses, but you look at people who are teaching cash flow at the expense of everything else, and you look at their portfolios, and it's like, oh my god, they're not actually doing what they're teaching, <laughs> because they've got out, uh, you know, this they've got houses in Florida that you know the the rent to value is is point six percent, but the appreciation is nineteen percent. They they're teaching one thing and doing another. You got to be really careful. And what you want to do is you want to actually have multiple markets. One market might be for for cash flow. It's just your cash cow. You know, that might be your Kansas City market. It's just like cash cow, 1.2%, 1%, like everything's really healthy. You have another market that's mostly longevity and appreciation. You're Charlotte. So we can get great, great rent rates in Charlotte. I think we average like 075 to 0.8%. But here's the thing. We're not necessarily in Charlotte because it makes us a lot of cash. We're in Charlotte because those deals are going to last for the for the next 100 years. And people are always going to want them. And they're going to be filled up. We're not going to have vacancy issues like we have everywhere else. You want to be in Charlotte for different reasons. And then you have Birmingham, which is kind of in the middle. And then, you know, you've got different markets and we can go into that on a different episode. But I want to debunk the idea that you should only be investing in a properties if it's a 1% uh, rent rate to portfolio because it's dumb advice. It's dumb advice. So we say stupid. Like it is it, actually what you'll end up with if you get a portfolio and everything is tuned to the cash flow is you'll get a portfolio that you're not proud of in three years and you gotta end up selling. You gotta end up offloading. You wanna have maybe 25 to 30% of your portfolio that's really tuned for the 1%. You wanna have you know, probably 30 to 50% of your portfolio that's tuned around predictability, longevity. It's gonna, it's gonna grow in value. It's gonna be really tight returns and you're gonna have tenants begging to get into your houses. And then you can have maybe 15 to 20% of your portfolio that's like nightly rentals. You can put it in Austin, Nashville. Even even uh, Charlotte's got some nightly rental uh, districts. And what you'll find is that when you put this whole portfolio together, 
you're maximizing all return opportunities and you're protecting yourself from the downside of any one market or any one return structure. And so, for example, if you look at us in Kansas City, uh, we have great you know, 2%, I think 2 to 4% cash on cash in Kansas City for the month of February. It's not very good. But when you look at it, the other return buckets are there. You know, we're having great debt pay down. We've never missed a mortgage payment in Kansas City because we have great tenants. Everything here is is really about math, how you structure your deals, how you put together your portfolio. If you want help with, with this, we'd be happy to help you. You just got to hop to uh, the website. I think it's wealthcapholdings.com slash um, book now, maybe book dash now. Anyways, if you go on wealthcapholdings.com, you'll see a big button in the top right hand corner that says game plan, book a session with an investment, a portfolio advisor on our team. And they can put together, Hey, what is it that you want? How long do you have to create financial independence? How, what's your timeline? Are you wanting to retire from your day job in 10 years or 15 years or four years? Like, what do you, what do you need? What is your, what does your situation look like? And we can put together a plan that leverages all of the different return structures to maximize your cash flow, your debt pay down, and just the longevity of your portfolio. You know, if you're gonna get into the game of real estate, you don't wanna get into it because you wanna create another job for yourself. You wanna get into it because you want to eliminate the jobs that you have in your life and duplicate your income in a way that is passive and doesn't require your, your brain or your hands or your thinking. Anyways, hop over there. Book a game plan with us. We've got some incredible, incredible properties and incredible opportunities. Our team is growing. We're growing very quickly. Um, and, you know, my goal in the next year and a half is I want to get up to, you know, about 1,500 properties by the end of 2022. So very rarely do you find a company where the owner is doing the exact same thing that he is advising his clients to do. And that's, what you, that's what's going on. And I was telling somebody the other day, it's very rare to find somebody who is running a fund, running a company, and they've got the majority of their money in that fund. You just don't see that a lot. You want to pay attention to that because that means if, if I'm doing this, if I'm investing my real my capital into this, and I want to get 1,500 properties, our properties, did you know that me and Chris, we pay the same price for our investment properties that our clients do? We don't give ourselves discounts. We don't write the write the value of the deal down because we were the ones that own the company. We built this company for us to build real estate wealth. And we are invested just like you are or or about to be because the products are amazing. The products are good quality. And uh, I believe that, you know, I've read a story, I think Howard Schultz, when he was CEO of Starbucks, he always paid for his coffee. He would walk into Starbucks wherever he was in the world, and they would give him a coffee and he would demand to pay for it because he's like, no, I believe in the product. And I believe the product is worth paying for. It's one of the reasons I like Star Wars, by the way, is because you know it was run by incredible leadership. And we're the same way. Me and Chris, we, we don't want to buy properties for less than what they're worth and for less than what you're going to get for them. Anyways, I'm rambling on, but you got to hop through, have a game plan session with us. And the 1% rule, eh, it's just it's just people who are dabbling and they're kind of doing marketing. Now, of course, you want to find the best deals possible. Of course, you want to find the best deals possible. But keep in mind that it is a layering of returns, not just one return structure, not just cash on cash. It's a layering of multiple returns. You want to average them and layer them together in a way that is safe, predictable, and has really good survivability, longevity for you, your family, your future kids, and whoever you want to give this away to when you pass on. Anyways, that's all I got for you today. Hope this was helpful. Adios. Thanks for listening. 
Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience, in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started, by visiting WealthCapHoldings.com slash book. That's WealthCapHoldings.com slash book.